0: Hey, we're here. This is Spoiler Country. I'm Kendrick Regan. That's Johnny Horsley. and today we have on set the topic of Copperhead, uh, written by Jay Farber, illustrated for the first two volumes by Scott Godlewski. It's a great read, and we're going to review it here. And let's let's get this thing let's get this thing kicked off and started.
1: Let's not forget uh, that Ron Riley did the amazing colors on it too.
0: That's right, Ron Riley with the colors. Uh, very. Warm colors, you could yep. say, because it's a desert feel. Well, it's a desert planet, and it's very warm. You yep. explain what you mean by the tones and the colors that you're you're seeing. Well, I,
1: I, it's kind of well, that's kind of an odd review. We're start, starting with colors and working backwards. That's fine. It works for me. So this book, the color Ron Riley, the colorist, he uh, sets you know the mood of a book is set by three things, obviously, right? It's by how it's you know, the word choice, how it's written, the angles and the lights and shadows of the artwork, as well as the tones of the colors. When your tones are not right or your tones are off to the setting of what your the other two options you have there, it sets the whole book off. And what's great about this book is the coloring is not overdone, it's not underdone. It's done in such a way that it sets this tone of a warm feeling Western where the the oranges and the yellows and the reds come in and most of it to show you that you know this is a hot planet. It, it builds you this, it builds you the atmosphere of where you're at, and it's done really well.
0: It sets the mood very well. The guy did a really good job.
1: Right. And then they, when they have their scenes at the nighttime, they, you know, it's, I mean, a lot of colors do this, but I feel like the blending of the, the coloring and the, the artwork in this one, they match really well.
0: Yeah. And Jay Farber, I, I can't say enough, man. This guy writes a scene and writes these characters in such a way that you can't help but feel like, you know, what's happening in this town, even on the under settings of things. And he just, he spends, he, he spends a wee very, very well and it's just a really fun, really fun read. There's it some is. main characters, um, of course. You have Clara Bronson, the sheriff, and you have her deputy, Brudro Zephynicus. He's a difficult name. She calls him Boo, he hates it. <laughs> it's actually quite funny because when he first comes onto planet, she's like, well, I'll just call you Boo, and he's like, please don't. And then, of course, she does throughout the whole thing. Oh, when she first gets on the planet. She has her son, and there's some outlying characters uh, one of the most interesting one is Ishmael, who is uh, what they call an arty, an artificial life form, uh, left over from a war that was with Boudro Z. Finnecus's, uh people against the humans. And the war has been ended for, I would think, a few years by by this time.
1: It'd have to be a couple, at least a decade or so this time.
0: Yeah, so she's ended up in this town called Coppertown, or Copperhead, excuse me. And you have the feeling that she's starting her life over with her son. She's kind of an asshole. I don't know how else to put it. Um, not in a bad way. She's just very forward. It's kind of funny. And she just calls people out on their shit throughout the whole book as it goes along. She's a very strong-willed character. Strong woman, strong in mind and body, right? She When she's getting ready to fight, you feel like, oh, she's going to kick some ass right here. That's a nice departure because they don't sexualize her in any way. Oh, not at all. She's not drawn as a very pretty woman because she is for a drawing as a drawing can be, but that's not what they're going for. They're going for how her attitude is, how smart she is and how well she navigates these local politics because um, you have a lot of different factions that happen throughout this, throughout this story.
1: Well, what's nice too about her character and the way she's drawn, the way she's presented is. A lot of stories, and th- stories are getting better. This isn't a, a generalization for all comics right now, but a lot of comics throughout the past, and some, some still today, the female heroines or the female main characters or any character in the story is not only drawn in a sexual way, but their clothing doesn't make sense for what they do. Right. Right. I mean, a sheriff of a town is not going to be doing that in a bikini and just strap us bra. You know, it's not. It's not. Or, or high heels. Like her,
0: right. what she's wearing
1: <laughs> makes sense for her character and what she's doing, you know? Exactly,
0: like, exactly. She's wearing armor. She's wearing, well, she's wearing a limited amount of armor, just like what a SWAT team would basically wear.
1: Right. So I, I appreciate that a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that because it doesn't detract from the story, you know?
1: Right. You're There's
0: not, a lot of stories that came out like in the 90s and even before. Yeah, it was where, all
1: cheesecake, all cheesecake.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at Power Girl. Exactly. You know what I mean? She's
1: a boob window. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, that's all it is.
0: And you can't <laughs> help when you when you're reading the book, you're like, Jesus Christ, this chick's got huge boobs, and and that's all you see. And what sucks it's,
1: is because she's she's a cool character, but it's hard to get past the boob window and the overly, you know, the gigantic boobs she has.
0: I, I love the cosplay with Power Girl. <laughs> <laughs> you would, but it's you know, I, but seriously, when it comes to literature and art as a form, there's all. And sometimes it's appropriate for the type of stuff that we're talking about, the sexualization of both men and women. And other times it's not. And I think this story does such a good job of not overdoing anything and presenting a real somebody that you could actually believe would really exist.
1: Right. She's a character that's not I don't know, you said she's an asshole. I mean she is in some ways, but I think she's just more of a character that's just She's done putting up with people's shit and she's going to call them out yeah. on it. It's how yeah, I see it. That's,
0: yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I don't think she's yeah. like an asshole. Like she's not going to, you know, you know, you're know, you on fire and dying in the middle of the road. She's, gonna, <laughs> you know, and she's got a bucket of water. She's going to keep on walking. No, that's right. not what I'm saying. But she's going to call you out on everything. And, and, and if you can't explain yourself, I think she's going to be pretty, pretty close to being done with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love her interaction with her deputy. Uh, when she gets to town, she they hire her as the sheriff from another world. She moves there. The deputy that's there, um, Boo, was vying for that job. He had already been the deputy under the the previous sheriff, and so when she shows up as the new sheriff, he's there's some animosity there, and they build on that. And it's rightfully
1: it's, so. I mean, if, if I was yeah. in that position, I'd be kind of pissed too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's calling her out on stuff, but you can tell that she's much more procedural. She kind of gets a little bit more of the managing side of things so it's, right. it's an interesting dichotomy that goes on there you know they start they go right into a nice murder mystery that has a twist and yeah, pretty, it has a good on twist a pretty too. sad yeah it ends on a kind of a sad note when you think about what the what was going on and, and why it happened
1: <laughs> right right so what would how would you describe visually the look of the character boo well
0: he's well we talked about this Right. And I'm going to give you credit because he's a big hamster, but he's a muscular <laughs> hamster. And right. But he, when I think about it, his face, he's a crossover hamster and I don't want to say a dog, but something else. I can't figure it out, but he's a it's big something. furry character.
1: It just reminds me of a, di- a giant anthropomorphic hamster, and I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's really cool looking, actually.
1: Real quickly, did you see, I sent you a link in the chat for this. we're talking right now of a pinup that Drew Moss just posted. Did you look at it?
0: No, I have not seen it.
1: I just sent it again. Look at it real quick. It's, it's worth looking at in the middle of the podcast. Look at it.
0: Okay. Drew Moss is the new artist for volume three of copperhead. Right. And he's amazing. Oh yeah. That is hilarious. That's great.
1: It's for sale and I kind of want to buy it, but I, I know, I know oh. I can't afford it.
0: <laughs> I wonder how much he wants. Cause that probably, is really probably cool. a
1: lot. Cause it's, it's amazing.
0: Look anyway. at those eyes. Right. <laughs> that is intense. Yeah, I wonder where they're at. They must be. They're off-world, obviously.
1: Yeah, they're off-world. They just look so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they got a great relationship. its They build on a lot of fun. She's a flawed character, which I like a lot. You know, When she drinks, he drinks too much. Yeah, she's she not perfect. Decisions. Yeah, she's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. She has a kid that is not annoying. He does not want to be there, but he's not annoyingly so. He makes decisions based on the fact that he's 12 years old. He's a and kid. Yeah, he's a kid, and he acts like a kid. You know, yeah. too much. You you read books or you read you see movies or anything where the kid is either acting way beyond their age,
1: right, or the way or under they're their age.
0: So annoying! You're like, what is going on? I exactly. would want to punch that kid.
1: You yeah, know? no, and then and the, I don't his,
0: get that feeling with him.
1: His name's Zeke, right? Right. Yeah. He's and he's. A, I mean, he's a likable kid. He really is, and it's. They Jay Farber really wrote his character very well.
0: Yeah, you can tell that Jay really put the time in to have a backstory for every character that you meet in this story and the nuances of how they act, how they, the words that they say, and even Scott Godlewski's ability to draw them in a way that you can tell that Jay and Scott worked closely together to figure out how the feel of the comic should be. And I can't say enough about Godlewski's art. That guy is amazing.
1: It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. That first two, those first two volumes are ridiculous. I mean, you, the emotion he conveys in the faces, the the small lip curl, and you know the, the looks of things, and sometimes you can see Clara's face when she's pissed off or frustrated, and you can just read it all over the face. It's 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 a revelation on what's going on today. It's I love it. Well, I think it's
1: great. As far as the facial expressions and stuff, you just if you want to see a good example, I mean, for me as an artist, you want to see an example of another artist like you know Galewski taking a character and displaying a whole wide range of emotions just in their face. Look at the different facial expressions of Zeke, the, the kid. I mean, yeah. it's a whole range of upset to sad to depressed to, to happy to relief all done, all in facial expressions. And you could you could remove the words from those panels and you would know what emotions that kid is feeling.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, his whole world just turned upside down because he left his home planet. And all of a sudden he's in this dusty, dirty Western town. And he's like, what right. the hell? And you, you can the emotions are conveyed there.
1: Definitely. And yeah. like you were saying about, you know, having the, the backstory of each character, you know, and the a lot of people, um I do it for my characters. And I don't know if, you know, Jay Farber did it, but I assuming he has something similar to this is they have, you know, what they call our character Bible, which is a book that file or something that kind of says, this is the character. Here's their stats. Here's what they like. Here's what they don't like. Here's how they interact with people. It kind of describes what that character is. And you have that, you know, as for myself as a writer. You have the you do that for each 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 main character you're going to have show up more than you know, once or twice, right? And, yeah. and that's how they interact with people, and you use that for all of your interactions and stuff. And along with that, as the artist, you know that, that character bible helps them to display the emotions and the 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 way that what decisions they going to interact make. exactly. If you
0: write them into a situation. How do they can get out of it? How do they can get out of it? Right. You know, and that'll dictate what happens. I mean, that's what that's how sometimes main characters die. Because the writer puts them into a situation, they're like, crap, they're, they're not getting out of this.
1: Yeah, there's nothing they can do. It's, it's yeah. what it is. And
0: and you can tell that they really spent their time putting that together. It feels like it. I mean, if he's doing this on the fly, oh, my God, he's got to be one of the greatest comic book writers of all time.
1: Oh, right. I definitely. There's um in the back of – so I, re- I read the first volume. Um, I haven't read volume two yet, but I plan to read it very soon. Oh, so good. But uh, in the back of the first trade, there's uh, a bunch of looks like emails. I didn't read too much of them, but it looks like emails back and forth between Kaluski and Farber, and it kind of goes over the creation of the characters and like the story and how they built the story. And I'm really inter- interested to read through that as well because it, you know, getting that that behind the scenes information of how this this story that was is created, especially a story that like this that is you know just really good from start to finish yeah. is. Uh, Any extra information right now, I'm like, I I want it.
0: (laughs) When I first started reading it, I kept comparing it to Firefly, but now I'm really hesitant. Yeah. You know, because they were on a ship. They're flying from, you know, from planet to planet. They just happened to have clothing and that kind of gave them a Western feel. But this is different. I I agree. This is playing more on the... Building of character development of how they're interacting with each other. more. I feel like it's more of that. Because, I mean, Firefly, I love that show, first and foremost, right? right? I never watched it until it was already off the air. Somebody gave me the DVD box set and said, you have to watch it. It's amazing. And they were right. It was amazing. And that's the show that made me like Josh Whedon. And if they made Copperhead into a TV show, that, was, that is the one of the guys that I could think of that would do an amazing job with it. But that's the, but the point is, is when you, I don't want people to think when they see the cover and they hear what we're talking about, a Western in space, people tend to think Firefly and it's not, it's not Firefly. It's no, it's a different story. Um, It's a unique story. And there's a lot of interaction that just makes it fun to read. I don't even know how to put it. I always fear because this is, I can't get enough. I can gush about this book for hours because I like it so much. And I, I you can't <laughs> get enough of it. And and I know a lot of people are all into Saga, which is a great read. Brian K. Vaughn is an amazing writer. I can't remember her name off the top of my
1: head. Uh, Fiona, Fiona Staples.
0: Yeah, Fiona Staples, amazing artist. I think she's making a mistake by not – I think she's doing everything on Saga on the computer. I don't think she's hand-drawing it and then doing it the way a lot of people do, and I think that's a mistake for artists because I think there's a lot of um, second.
1: Oh, you just want to buy pages from that, that's all
0: <laughs> I do. You know, I try to buy. So when they, when Copperhead came out, I went online and found Scott Godlewski's website to buy original pages, but all the, I wanted a cover of oh. one of the books. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Covers are so expensive, all them, though. Yeah. They're all gone. They're all sold out. He was, he was, he was gone. And the, and some of the pages that he had, I just, I want them bad, but I just don't have 200 bucks to spend on a, on a page.
1: I would love to have the cover to issue three. That's my favorite cover of the series. And it's the one where she has, she's holding the gun up and she's looking around the corner and it's all, it reminds me of very like Blade Runner esque, you know, looking. Yeah. Um, but I would love to have that cover. Cause that's just, I just love the, the angle and the tones in it.
0: Yeah. That would be cool. But like I was saying, I can gush about this book forever and Definitely. I'm in fear that this book at some point will be canceled soon. Be, not because it's an image title, but I don't know that it's gained the audience that it needs to sustain itself. And I really hope that people give it a chance and get out there and read it and tell people how good it is and get people reading it and, you know, tweet Jay Farber, tweet Scott Godaluski, both of whom are and Ron Riley. avid tweeters. <laughs> They're always on, on Twitter. Yeah, they are. And yeah, and Robert Kirkman and Drew Moss and tell them how much you love this book because... It needs to keep going. I want to see where it goes. Volume three is is really good. Uh, everything changes in volume three. Everything starts to uh, come into light of what fractions behind are pulling the strings, and you want to know what happens. and And I want to. I, yeah, Johnny, I'm in fear of it of it being canceled. <laughs> well,
1: let's just so let's just hope that if it ever does get canceled it gets canceled at the end of a story arc right that they get to close right. things out is get canceled at like issue you know a middle the middle of a story arc where we forever have to never know what happens at the end of the story i just it's because you know eventually it's going to get canceled or, or or end you know I'd another end than be canceled but eventually it's going to stop we know this because nothing lasts forever but right whenever it does stop
0: except for superman or, and batman they right just go on and on
1: yeah they'll never stop but if this one, ever, when this one ends, I just pray that it, it ends at the end of a storyline, and preferably a, a storyline that wraps up, like the universe answers, like any unanswered questions, to where it's not left open ended, to where it's like, okay, now, now what, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I can't tell you how excited I was because there was a lull between Volume Two and Volume Three, and I thought, I started thinking, oh my god, they're done. Which, like you just said, it wouldn't have been the end of the world because at least the arc had ended. Right. Even though there's a big, not a surprise ending, but there's a cliffhanger at the end of Volume 2. But it's not like one that goes, oh, my God, because it doesn't involve a main character, so it wouldn't have been the end of the world. But there was a, a long pause in between Volume 2 and Volume 3, and I got so excited because one day out of the blue, Scott Godlewski tweeted a photo or a, a drawing of Deputy, Deputy Boudreaux Zephinicus. And he goes, it's been too long since I drew on your buddy or something like that. And I was like, oh my god, that means it's coming back.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, hell yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can't wait for volume four, and then we'll see from there. Hopefully, they they can keep it going. Because Jay Farber is also the head writer on the TV show Zoo. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, you should you should check it out. And it's very similar to Animosity, where the the, the animals are uprising.
1: What channel is that on
0: CBS? You should um, definitely check it out.
1: Nice. I didn't even, yeah. I, I did not even heard about it until you brought it up.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. It, I think it came out before animosity came out. It's different because animosity, I think the, some of the animals actually talk from <laughs> mistaken. And with zoo, they're just going basically insane and attacking humans.
1: Nice. I'll, I, I'll check cool that name. out.
0: Yeah, it's 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 an interesting watch.
1: I don't have broadcast TV, so I don't see commercials or new shows coming on. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, get yourself a high def antenna. Right. <laughs> That's what I did. It works really well. But, anyways, let's put a pin in this review. Wait, hold on, um, hold on.
1: No pin yet. No yeah. pin yet. I'm not done. Okay. I'm not done. No. This, oh. this book's this book's too good to be done right now. Okay. Uh, so I wanted to touch on the fact that one of the one of the things I love the best about this book was the fact that while reading the first volume, there's really, I mean, there's three-ish, four-ish kind of stories going. There's one main story, one main backup stories, and two, from what I see, two kind of smaller stories, right? There's the main story of the murder, the backup story of um, her son, the and the smaller stories of that one of them ties directly into the murder, which is, you know, why the family was murdered or who who these people are. And then the, the smaller backup story is, you know, Ishmael. But right. one of the things i love about the way this was was, you know not only drawn but how it was written and how it how it concluded is when you get to the end the main story to me kind of becomes the secondary story and the secondary story becomes the main story because you find out that while the you know while her main thing is you know investigating this murder finding the murderer solving this quote-unquote mystery the story with her son is you know really kind of what starts the book and what ends the book is the story of her son and how her son is coming to into this new world and at the end kind of accepting it because you know, what he wanted has happened, you know, with finding the dog and making his new friend happy. So right. it kind of flows that way with this murder mystery in between that also is in there. you know and all four stories are entwined together with with this murder mystery, which I really love the way that it all wrapped together.
0: Yeah it's 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 a good it, it is a good interweaving. And you know what's interesting? Now that you're breeding up Zeke and Ishmael. So Zeke goes off into the desert looking for this dog and it's dark out, it's night, and he shouldn't be out there. And he comes comes across Ishmael, who was an Artie. And arties are artificial intelligence that were created for the humans to help fight the war against I don't know what I don't remember what how what what they're called. The natives. The giant hamsters. <laughs> oh yeah. <they're laughs> for the lack of a better term. So <laughs> Artie are They're called Arties. His name is Ishmael. Ishmael saves Zeke's life. And the girl. And and the little girl. And the girl. Yep. And he brings them home. They don't find the dog right away. Okay. Now, Zeke is Sheriff Bronson's son, who does not like the Arties, who feels that they were bred for war, made for war, because they were, and that they have no emotions or no attachments to what they're doing, and feels that they should be taken out. So- she is forced to look at things differently. Now they have been legally defined as oh. having their own existence. Right. They, they fought, they they fought in court
1: to get their own, to get their own rights. Independence. In, in, yeah.
0: Independence. Their rights and independence. Right. They they are afforded due process. Like we all are. It's a good thing,
1: which is a really so, cool concept to have your AIs become your murder bots become sen, you know, sentient and get rights.
0: <laughs> yeah. In the eyes of the legal system. Yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't have any case. Now, her son befriends Ishmael, and Ishmael befriends her son, and it's a real friendship, not one that's weird or you don't think that something is off-putting or underhanded going on. And so it forces her to look at Ishmael differently. And I thought that was really cool because it showed growth in the characters, not just this is the way it is.
1: Right. You can definitely tell that coming to this planet has both – not necessarily changed her, but opened her eyes as well as opened Zeke's eyes. And to some degree, you know, I'm not sure Boo changes at all by the end of the book. It's kind of the same. But, you know, they they the two main characters have, well, main, the one main character and her son have taken this experience and have learned from it by the end of the book. They're they're, they're a little different. They're, they're changed a little bit, which is what, you, at the end of a story arc, you want your characters to have learned something. That's the whole point.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about that, in, you know, exclusively, not exclusively, extensively in – Craven's last time about how that story changed spider mans psyche and it should right. affect him for the rest of his um, comic career. Now, whether the writers go back and use that, they don't. but it is there for them to be, to use if they so choose.
1: Oh, that's a problem with, that's a problem with big, with, you know, the mainstream comics, right? Is you, it's like in a Spider-Man book or a Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman, or whatever. You know, if you have some big life-altering event, it's just going to be written out by the next writer who takes over in the next story arc. Oh well, that didn't happen, or we're not, we're not addressing right. that anymore, or not. Or that's that's a, that's not canon anymore, whatever. Whereas in a book like this, it's a contained world, so if something happens, it's going that's going to affect them through to you know it should at least affect them to the to the end of this the series because it's one yeah, contained he- story. There's not fifteen versions of her on different comic books and different worlds. It's just, this is the book. This is a story. It's self-contained.
0: Right. And that's one of the nice things about image books though, is because it's all creator owned. And so, you know, they, they have the choice of doing things, which is great because then you get a, a unified vision of what this story is going to be and what these characters are and how the decisions they're going to make. Because if you go from writer to writer to writer, you know, your character can make different decisions based on how the, the writer perceives their backstory to be.
1: Which is part of the reason why I consider Marvel and DC books to be different than any other publisher, for that matter, mostly because Marvel and DC books are kind of in their own league because people accept that there can be six different Batman books. All of them have, you know, some of them connect together. Some of them are standalone. Some of them are Batman in a, a completely different timeline, and that's okay. Yeah. But
0: Or in universe. Or, or like
1: a yeah, different multiverse, different universe. Same thing for like Superman and Spider-Man and Avengers and all those characters have these... Multi, you know, you could have like seven different Spider-Man books, and that'd be one thing. But when you go to like an Image title or a Dark Horse title or a Boom Studios or one of the, you know, one of the non-big two, you get more self-contained stories. Where if you just want to read, you know, the tales of Boo and 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 in Copperhead, you go by Copperhead. You're getting all of that. You're not you're not having thirteen versions of the same character over various books. If you read a different book, you're getting right. a different story.
0: Right. Right. You know what's interesting in that Copperhead, too, is the story of Ishmael.
1: Yeah. I want to know more about Ishmael.
0: <laughs> yeah. All the artists look the same, right? And they're supposed to have the same emotional values, the same moral values, the same everything. But I think as time goes on, their individual experiences are shaping what their outlook is. Because when you get into volume two, there's two other artists that come into light and— they say some things that are, you know, Ishmael, why don't you do this? Or why do you say this? Or why did you do that? And he goes, like, well, I guess I'm just different. So there's an evolution going on there, and it's going to be an interesting read to see where that goes. I think that there's going to be something big that happens with the Arties at some point. Now, nothing huge is happening in Volume 1, 2, or 3, but I think it, it, something has to be coming. And I'm excited for that.
1: Right, and I hope the series lasts long enough for it to get to that. And, and this is the kind of thing, I would be totally cool... And happy if there was like an Ishmael like mini series spin off or a one shot spin off that kind of told his story. I would love to read that. How he came
0: to the Badlands.
1: Exactly. I would love to read that. Or just you know
0: why he lived out there for so long. Or just an issue,
1: or not even a one shot. Or just an issue dedicated to talking about his backstory and how he became who he is.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. And I, I wouldn't mind them doing that with uh Boudreau C. Finnicus because they started to do some of that. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, They're same. doing a lot of. Uh, of uh, flashbacks of his time in the war.
1: Oh yeah, there's a, there's that beautiful flashback sequence in the first volume where he's chasing the chasing down um, uh, the one brother, Floyd. Floyd, yeah, chasing down Floyd. Thank you. And it, the panels are just like they're done so well, where you have the one panel of, to right now, and then a panel of the flashback in his you know military outfit, and then back to the panel of that. It just it flows really well to kind of tell that story of how he's chasing down Floyd, but also having flashbacks to the war to say that this war still really affects him and. It you know it's it's still a part of him. It's not that he's forgotten about it, moved on. It's still definitely on his mind.
0: Yeah, Godlewski's art during that whole chase scene. I mean, his stuff is flawless through that whole series. It really is. But he does it in a, in a beautiful way when he when he's doing the flashbacks. That you can tell that a different timeline is going on, and the colors that um, oh Ron Riley, what's his name? Ron Riley. Yeah, the color, Yeah, the colors that Ron Riley has chosen for that. Made a big difference as well.
1: Oh yeah, the color the colors make it pop. The colors make you see the difference between the war and the current time, and it's just I don't know. I can't talk enough about a great colorist because, in my opinion, a great colorist is what is in today's comic books. You have a colored book. A great colorist will help you sell your book more and help it be more interesting than a bad colorist. It really sets the tone of, like we said, it sets the tone of the book. You know, you have great writing and great art, but if you have a shit colorist it's going to fall apart. just doesn't like have a shit letter. It's going to fall yeah. apart. And I really think that a colorist in the modern day needs to have, it needs to get more credit for what they're, they're part of the book. You know, there's, they're a big part these days. Cause you know, if you look at case in point, if you look at say, let's take Jim Lee, you know, he's an amazing artist, right? He's always been great. Right. Take a drawing of his, look at a black and white drawing of his from the nineties in his prime. And compare it to the ones today, they're both amazing. They're both definitely going to be Jim Lee but they're not going to look much different, right? I mean, they may, the one today may you know have, look better because he's learned more techniques and stuff in some ways, but in general, they're going to be the same drawing. Now, take that same drawing from the 90s with a colorist from the 90s, just because of how things were colored in the 90s and how things were done back then, and then take the drawing today and have it colored today by a modern colorist, they're going to look worlds different. Like, yeah. they're not uncomparably different. The one from today is going to have so much more depth because of you know technology improvements and... We're not doing colorists, you know. Color color styles have changed. Things been colored on a computer versus being colored on, you know, um, watercolor papers, and they're not doing just flat colors. They're doing a lot more tones and a lot more shadows and highlights and making things look more rounded and have more definition. But that that colorist is the one bringing all that definition forward. Not the you know not the pencil or not the inker. They do their part and they're very important. But the final definition of that image is coming from that colorist.
0: You want to hit? You want to be excited?
1: I'm always excited.
0: Guess. <laughs> 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 guess who's doing Superman? Re- who's guess who's been doing the Superman Rebirth comics Who? Scott Godlewski. Oh, is he? You should go check him out. Yeah, his Superman takes are. He's amazing. on
1: Superman the, the current Superman run.
0: How yep. did I not? Do, uh that's why he's not doing Copperhead. I would. All assume. right, that's.
1: I'm okay with him. Oh, I don't like him leaving Copperhead, but going to Superman, another, another series that I love. That's fine. <laughs> I just don't. I'm not cut up on current comics, so I, I have like I ever like none of Rebirth besides like the first issues. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just just Google Godleski Superman and you'll just see a ton of covers come out and and everything else. I mean, he redid the uh, classic Superman uh, with the uh, with the eagle.
1: Oh, he redid Superman 14.
0: Looks like it for Rebirth number 26. Oh yes, holy
1: yeah. shit, that's awesome! Yeah, there it is right there. I'm looking at it. Yep. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. His art, he's so nice, good. and even he even put after Fred
1: Rake, Fred Rake. Is Fred Rake the artist who did the original one on the cover? That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Is that what that said? I was trying to read what that said. Yeah. After
1: Fred Ray, he, Fred Ray was like the, he was one of the definitive artists of Superman in the golden age. He was the one who kind of crafted yeah. his look more so than Siegel and Schuster. He was, he did cover the
0: breaking of the, yeah, chains he did the,
1: yeah, Oh that. yeah. He did the breaking the chains cover. He did that cover. He did all the iconic golden age covers were Fred Ray.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's cool. But I thought you get a kick out of that. Cause you, cause I, I think for both of us, Scott Godlewski is our new favorite artist <laughs> of the moment. Right.
1: Him, well, and you know, i've I've been okay. calling. I've been kind of the last couple of days. I've been looking over Drew Moss and stuff because he's taking over Copperhead, and he's not too bad either. I mean, hey, he's great.
0: great. <laughs> no, that guy, nothing to shake a stick at. That guy is great. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna move it over to somebody else, what a great pickup that
1: yeah, was. Yeah, they picked a good a, a good successor to, to Galuski for the intro in Moss. I mean,
0: they went from one A to one B. You know what I'm right. saying? And there's no drop off. Exactly. I mean, his art is his style is different. You know, it's not like. It's not like it's just Godlewski light or anything like that. It's different. But it's but still really good. It's a great style. Yeah. Yeah, it's still really good. He can convey emotions. He does everything that you want it to be in your storyline. He actually does – I think he actually does the scenery different enough for me that I actually like his scenery a little better. Yeah. I'm, I like the facial expressions oh, yeah. and the body work of – and I mean I mean like the literal body, not a body of work, but the <laughs> literal body of Godlewski's work with with uh, Copperhead, but I think I like the landscape work of Drew Moss better.
1: I'll have to see more of his work and compare the two. But I mean, both of them are amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you we, you get lost in that story. Yeah, when you're reading volumes one, two, and then I have all I have every single variant issue of, of <laughs> issue number one because I liked it so much. I'm like I'm buying all. What's of these
1: funny variants, is we're we're gonna talk about you, variants gonna, later. <laughs>
0: In this episode, we're going to talk about variants in this episode later, but I'm not usually the biggest fan of right. variants, but certain books I get excited about and I literally went and, and and chased down every single variant that I could find. And I think I have them. Well, all. this is a case
1: this, and this is a case of not that you're buying all the books because they're going to, they're worth the money. You're buying them because you love the series, which is what, uh, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I will never get rid of my, um, Copperhead I'm series. actually, I'll have it. Forever. So down
1: in San Diego, one of my goals is going to be is to try and find all 14 issues that have been out. Is there 14 that have been out? Or how, how many have been out so, released so far is to find all of them down there and and pick up the collection for myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, number 14 just came out in June and that was the end of, of volume three. And the thing is, is you could probably get the whole series, you know, number one, I think we'll probably, you could probably pick it up for five, six bucks. Right. And get through all and then pay probably just about cover price for the rest. Right, which is. So you're talking less than 100 bucks. Less probably less than fifty bucks to get all of them,
1: right? For a great for a a great read, right? Which is what it's all about. You want a great read,
0: yeah? Yeah. So when we're down in San Diego Comic Con, let's definitely go down. And I'm going to try to pull out. my, My problem is all my books are in the closet, so getting them all out and looking for certain things can be a pain in the ass. But I need to because my number, the number six for the Batman box set that I got you is in one of my boxes. I have oh. <laughs> one through nine, but number six, and it's in one of those boxes. so I got to pull it out. So maybe I'll try to pull out um, my copyright, because if we can get it signed by Godlewski and, and Farber, for I would love to get number one signed and then the first iteration with Drew Moss. Signed. Yeah, well,
1: I, that would I, be. Cool. I don't know if they're going to be there, but I haven't I haven't looked, but I'm assuming they're going to be there because they're you know they're you know it's yeah. a good book in the industry. But if they if they're there, my plan is to get the books and have them signed because. I love this series. This is this is one of my favorite new series to come out in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just such a breath of fresh air compared to what you because most of the time, Johnny, you get the same stuff
1: over and oh, over. Oh, I know, again, I right? know.
0: It's either some kind of superhero movie or superhero comic with some kind of godlike powers, or it's some ultra-violent supernatural thing, or you know, or some kind of gang thing, or, or it's you know, titties and, ass and this ass everywhere. is just. Yeah, yeah, or some kind of over-sexualized, made-for-a-14-year-old-boy kind of thing. And this is just so different in the fact that it's it's different enough that you can sit back and read it and go back a couple, like a year later, and read that volume again and be like, I'm just as entertained now as the first time I read it. And you're going to find more things. Like when we said, hey, let's do Copperhead Review. Okay, let's do this. I was excited. I was like, "Yeah, let's do this." And and it was funny because we said, "Well, do we do it now and get it done before the weekend, or do we wait till we get back to San Diego Comic Con because we got all this stuff and we both have um, very busy lives, jobs, kids, right? Stuff we have, <laughs> yeah, jobs, kids, everything at home. You know, it, it gets going. So it was. <laughs> I found myself that night. You're like, "Hey, I want. I really want to do this. Can we do this tonight? Okay, or can we can we do it last night?" And I was like, "You know what." give me a second. and I went in, I started reading it and I read volume one and two. I purchased it off of Amazon, my Kindle, and I read volume one and two because I didn't want to pull all those books out of my closet. Right, exactly. But um, man, I, I was in, I, I was entranced all over again. And I noticed more things like the issues going on with Ishmael and the other arties and what was going on there. And the fact that Boudreaux had, you know, the, the flashbacks with Boo, with Boo with, were significant as they were, and how some of that stuff was shaping and dictating the decisions he was making. And just looking through everything, it was like, oh my God, this is, there's so much depth to this, more than I realized than when I first read it. I just loved it so much the first time I read it that I was like, oh, this is really cool. Flip, 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 flip. I want, you know, when you first read something and you like it, you want to get through it. Because right. you can't oh, yeah. wait to know what's on the next page. Now, if you really like it and you go back, you start studying the pages and you start reading and you start looking for those nuances, right? That's 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 where the cream is, right? That those nuances right. of things going on. And you're just like, oh, oh, I see what you're <laughs> doing there, Jay. I got you, Scott. I I, I I can see what's going on now. This is this is way better than than I first even realized. I think it's special, here, and I really hope is. people now, get that.
1: Now here now. Here's the the tough question of the day for you. Yeah. We spent thirty thirty so thirty five, whatever minutes, you know, gushing talking about this book and how much we love it. What is right. the what's a negative thing about this book? Like, what's what's something that you wish was better, or something that's not giving it praise? What's like a bad thing or a, a negative thing about this book, or anything about it?
0: A negative thing about this book, I think, would be that some of the storylines i think has are too not i don't want to say hidden but not developed as much as they could be okay. uh, they jump there's a couple points where they jump right into her husband and prison and things where you're just like what i don't even know who i'm i don't even know what's going on now that might be on purpose but uh, it does that point does make me a little confused when i'm reading it alright
1: I, it's fair. I would say something similar. So well, the one thing and you know, I, I only bring this up because I think it's fair that we gushed about a book. That We also talk about some things, you know, issues we had. I don't want to say negative issues we have with the book or issues we have with the story sure. or something like that because sure. it's a beautiful story. Be negative, you. I love but, you it. Know. Yeah. Um, in the first volume, there's a couple of panels, and a couple of pages where I think it's when we talked about it earlier, you know, boo chasing down Floyd. There's a scene at the end where you know he falls. To the end, he's there. And then all of a sudden, the next page, he's back in the precinct and talking on the radio.
0: Oh, you you see him me. pass yeah. out in the rain, and then all of a yeah. sudden, he's talking on the radio. Right, you don't no, know what it's,
1: happened. It's one panel later, and it's all of a sudden he's back. You know, it's it's like it never happened. There's a couple of jumps in that in in the first volume that do that to me to you. And I was while I was reading, I was like, oh, what what well, what what the fuck just happened? You know?
0: Do you think that, that's a good point? Do you think that? Image as a publisher said, "This is too long. You need to pull a page out." Does that happen? I don't Did know. they look man. at it and say, "Hey, you know, know what? Great story, but we only want to print 15 pages in this book, and you got 17."
1: Well, that wouldn't be, that'd be that wouldn't be Image. That'd be whoever whoever was the editor, editor on the book. But I don't know because well, those, wouldn't, wouldn't
0: Image dictate, "Hey, we only want to spend this much money on producing this book," and then they go to the the publisher and the publisher says, "Okay." Well, it's going to cost this much per book, and if you have this many pages, it's going to take this much, and you could be over and and over the printing of. I think I bet you Copperhead probably only had a print run of eight thousand, maybe nine thousand on that first book, and mm-hmm. you know when you think about that's not very many, but if they want to keep their cost down on a creator-owned uh, content. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I have no insight. I, I, you know what I mean? But I could I see know. if you're seeing jumps yeah. like that where the f- – because most of the book is very fluid. Right. But if you're seeing jumps, and that's a good observation because that's something I missed, right? So that's a good observation. But if you're seeing jumps like that, why is there a jump where you're right? He's passing out on the rain, and all of a sudden he's 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 on the intercom or on the radio, and you're like, well, who picked you up and what happened? Right. You know, you would think that at least say, at least have the next panel go him like shaking off the cobwebs and starting to walk back to the precinct.
1: Right. There's a and there's there's like there's only like two or three of those in the whole first volume, but they did. I did catch them because I was like, I it caught me off guard. But yeah, maybe I I don't know how Image publisher works. You know how they edit their pages. I mean, my I always thought you know. It's creator-owned, so you get, you know, you publish a book. There's, there's certain costs as a creator that go into publishing with, with image and cuts. I don't know. I, I don't know how it works, so I, I can't speak to that. But, you know, maybe, and if there are missing pages, I want to see them.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, me too. I mean, who knows? I mean, we're talking on our ass. We don't really – I mean, I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> I no you idea. look at it differently because you look at it more from a creative mind. I don't. Yeah. I look right. at it as, as a reader who just enjoys the content. So for me, I just glossed right over that, and you were like, yes. "Well, I would have done this, this, and this." And as a, as a very as a very
1: indie amateur artist here, I have my, my opinion.
0: <laughs> right. Well, no, well, you're not an amateur because you've sold, so you're a professional. You've okay. made money from your art. You've made money from your comics.
1: I have right? not 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 enough so to make it my full time job yet, but hopefully that's the, that's the plan, right?
0: <laughs> well, Ein's anthology, man, it's going to happen. So take a keep a lookout for that one.
1: God, I hope so. I have high hopes, and it's it's doing good so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you're building a lot of momentum, so, and you know now, and that causes you pressure to get it done, which is good.
1: Which is what I want. That's my <laughs> one
0: knock with Image Comics and with other um, independent labels like that. I mean, because I kind of can, cons- even though Image is huge, I kind of consider them still an independent label because they're creative yeah. creator owned. Yeah. There's no pressure for- on the timelines, right? Like, did you read the book Witches? And I, I can't not. remember the name of the, the author right now, but before the book was even out, Brad Pitt's movie production company bought the rights to it, right? Before oh, the book came out. Yeah. And it was a fun read. And um, I got a few copies of The variants. again. Um, I don't know if that was <laughs> the best idea I had. But it's an interesting read. The first arc ended, and then that was like two years ago. Yeah, there's no, and you go on, and there's nothing saying that it's canceled, but the the author I can't, it's driving me nuts. I can't remember his name, but the author has gone on to do other things, and he keeps saying, "Yeah, we're going to go back to it," but it's like, well, when, you know, and the part of me is like, well, that's the nice thing, with oh, it's Scott Snyder.
1: Oh, was it Snyder?
0: Yeah, it's Scott Snyder and, and Jacques, the artist Jacques. And so it's like, what is going on? Yeah, I get it. You got all this Batman stuff, but you made this huge momentum for witches with a Y. and Oh, I remember you put that series the first coming six, out. Yeah, you put out the, the first six issues and then nothing. And that was the publication dates are October 2014. This is by Wikipedia to um, March 2015. So now we're getting into the third quarter of 2017. And there's been nothing. And it's like, okay, well, did you guys... And it was a huge success. It wasn't like it was, you know, we, we, did, we undersold, right? You couldn't get those... If you didn't pre-order those books, you weren't getting them, you know? Because huh. the time that the comp book store put them on the shelf, they were gone. So because, you know, Snyder and, and Jock own all the rights, they can do it as they please. And you know what? Hats off to them. They're, they're living the dream, Right. They are making money doing what they love to do. And Beautiful. a lot of us yeah. have to work our nine to five to get that. And I cannot, can't say enough awesome things with that. I'm, I love seeing people succeed. I'm not somebody that all of a sudden oh, t- starts me talking too. shit about somebody. I hate that. I won't hang out with people that do that. Right. But this is what, this is when it does drive me nuts of my own selfish needs that when it's creator owned, this is, can happen, Right. Where all of a sudden you have these long pauses in between story arcs as where if it's DC or Marvel, they're like, fuck you, get it done. No, you get it done. This is the (laughs) date that you have. You need to get it done or you're fired. We'll have somebody else finish it up. Thanks. Uh, Unless you're Kevin
1: Smith Smith and you write Daredevil Bullseye or Daredevil Target, whatever it was, and you write one issue and then never. Oh, yeah, it was like
0: 12 years later.
1: No, he never finished it. (laughs) He never finished it. As far as I know, I mean, he may have. I don't know, but as far as I know, last time I tried, wait, wait, still was Were they going
0: to have somebody finish it, and then he said, "No, no, no, I'll finish it, I'll finish it," and then yeah, he never did yeah. again.
1: Right? He did that. He did that with. I uh, think
0: there's a story. I think there's a video of you talking about it. Probably. Where, yeah, I just man, I I never got to it, and then they said they they were going to hire somebody to do it, and then I was like, no, 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 because then you feel like you want to finish it. No, 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 I'll finish it, and then he never did.
1: Right. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's. This I is mean, the worst. They create their own things, like you said. it's it, there's this, there was a series back in the early two thousands called Section Zero, by uh, uh, Tim Grumman and uh, or Tom Grumman and um, uh, Carl Kessel, and it was a good little like challenges of the unknown espionage type whatever you know series, not espionage but you know challenges of the unknown type series. And it lasted for three issues and then it stopped. Well, what's great is you know because of you know Kessel and Grumman being still wanting to do more with that series, just not having the time they recently did a Kickstarter to finish out the storyline with a new, finish that storyline and, you know, tell more stories that successfully funded. So there's going to be, you know, that one's great because it's going to have finally, people are going to finally get the end of that story, you know, 15 years later. <laughs> I just hope you're going to wait 15 years yeah. for, you know, for for more Copperhead or more other stories to be like.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too, man. I I, I don't know. I am I'm I kind of zoned out there for a second because I had to look up. I'm like, when is Witcher number seven going And I can't let it go. And he's, and, and Scott Snyder tweeted out in August of 2016, "We start Witches Volume Two next month." That was August <laughs> of 2016.
1: That's a while ago, almost
0: a year ago. Yeah, I even tweeted back, "Hey, finally, magic is about." I said, "Magic is a foot." <laughs> Nothing. I don't think he's used this thing since. Huh.
1: Ugh. Anyways, Best people, I tell you. Right. Right.
0: Okay. Well, hey, you know. Let's wrap up this review. <laughs> this is much longer than we anticipated, and, 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and for all fairness, we had to redo this. We I had we had terrible audio issues the first time around, and we did a twenty minute review of Copperhead, and um, I just couldn't let it go. I I love that book so much I couldn't put subpar audio out, even though I'm an amateur. Um, I'm going on a Blue Yeti, which I know is not. A USB mic, which is decent for what we're doing, it is not a professional setup, but it was so bad I couldn't. I just I couldn't do it. I had to. We had to re-record this. It sounded like you were in yeah. a and I'm glad you warehouse I'm... during war. Like yeah, and I just I really appreciate you taking the time to re-record this. I
1: think I think it came out better,
0: honestly. All right, that's our show today. Thanks for joining us, Kenrick and Johnny are out of here. We're actually going to do the variant covers next episode because we talked a lot about Copperhead. My voice is about ready to get out of here. I think Johnny's about ready to get out of here, and we'll come back and do that later. Thanks, guys.
1: See you later.